Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces in Tampa, Florida, where I have the pr privilege of helping hundreds of entrepreneurs to start, launch, and grow successful businesses. Today, our featured guest is Fearless entrepreneur Raphael Perrier, uh, who owns the epic, iconic uh, coffee brand here in Tampa, Florida, uh, started in St. Pete, Kawa Coffee. So Raphael, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Are you ready to share, serve up some value to our amazing listeners? Yeah, I think it would be fun, yeah. You see what I did there? Serve up some serve value, up, yeah, like coffee? coffee yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so uh, Raphael, let's just get right into this. Um, and before we do, kind of like share uh, one thing that most people in your business life don't know about you, just to kind of like unpeel the onion and get personal. Um, I'm not easy to work with. I'm not easy to work for. Um, I always tell people, you don't want to work for me. So I think that's one thing that people don't see when they don't know me because I'm, I am personable. People, I think, think that I'm easygoing and I'm not at all. So that's one thing that, you know, you can ask my wife. She's the first one to know that, but I'm not easygoing. How do people take that at first when you like, you're almost talking them out of uh, working for you? It's, I think they're laughing at it at first because they don't believe it. And then once they actually start working and see it, then they don't laugh anymore. You're like, shoot, I should have listened to him. <laughs> I'm like, I told you so. <laughs> All right, cool. So we're going to jump right into business here, okay? Um, take a minute and, uh, well, you know, you kind of shared that. Uh, let's get right down into it. How much revenue, approximately, right? Because audiences love to know this. How much revenue did you guys bring in last year? Ballpark approximate? Uh, 7.5 million. Okay, excellent. So it's been a minute since your first 100K. Yes. Okay, so we're going to go back in time. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to ask of you, okay? Um, what do you, well, first off, I always ask this as well. What are you guys on track to gross this year? This year, we're going to go close to 9, 10. Awesome. So over 2 million uh, yeah. increase. Fantastic. Congrats. Thank you. Okay. So, Raphael, we'd love to listen to the wisdom of millionaires and billionaires, but we struggle to relate to them because 90% of us entrepreneurs haven't made our first 100K yet. That's just the reality, right? That's where people are at. Take us back to when you were struggling to make your first 100K, paint us a vivid picture and tell us that story. I mean, that, that track uh, lasted at least three years, I would say. Three years. Oh, yeah, at least, yeah. When we started the company, obviously you start the company with, you know, whatever you can, money that you might have. Hopefully you got lucky to have a little bit of money. Did you fund it yourself? Yes, 100%. Uh, okay. Then you use credit cards. Then you use whatever you can to make end means, you know, at the end of the month. How uh, long did your savings last you before you were on credit cards and taking on debt? About a year. Okay. Not even, yeah, about a year. Um, you know, it took us about three months to get one customer. You know, we did only wholesale when we started the company. We didn't do any cafes, we didn't do any, any coffee shops at all. So the first goal was to try to sell coffee to cafes, restaurants, hotels. So um, business to business. Exactly, yeah. So it took us uh, three months to get our first customer. Our first customers were in St. Pete, small little cafe called Cafe Organic by Mickey, good guy. And you know, the volume wasn't big. You know, I mean, it was a small place, it was like 10 pounds a week of coffee, but that was a start. 
And then uh, we had our first uh, group, if I can call it. We had two locations. Mm. That was uh, the garden and uh, and uh, I remember redwoods, I think, something like that mm. in Saint Pete. And uh, so we started little by little, start bringing income in, but I mean revenue, but no income at all. Uh, it took us three years, I think, to make paycheck. Yeah, which is I get that, you know, right? And for our entrepreneurs, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, you're listening right now, right? And you're saying to yourself, "Man, it's been like six months. I thought I was going to be making money already. Like yeah, you I was going." You're not, right? You're not. I mean, we, we, just... knew, we knew we were not going to make right away, you know, anything. Mm. But the three years was long compared to what we anticipated. Um, Why do you think that was? Like, if you had, looking back, right? I think, I think because it was a virgin market at the time. Mm. I think, you know, coffee-wise, you didn't have much in the Tampa Bay area. Um, I think people were not used to have local uh, products brought to them and so they're more yeah. used to the, the uh, yeah the, 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 the normal brand or the normal brands yeah. or you know like the natural brands if yeah. I can say you know Tampa Bay 15 years ago was chain market ridiculous there was like yeah. just chain restaurants everywhere you couldn't approach a chain restaurant to sell coffee they yeah. all had corporate contracts and I totally get that because like I brought co-working to uh -huh. Tampa right and it was only executive suite models like Regis in Tampa Bay exactly. so and nothing were, else and the big yeah. companies have to compete um, so it's just it's just an, an untapped market that takes a long time plus when you open a restaurant you open a bar like you know I did before you open the place you do it right you packed you're busy you keep on doing a good job you're busy until you sell it or until you get rid of it when you create a brand it's a totally different different deal. You're asking people to trust you with the product that you create and to put their business at risk if anything happened to you. So it's a very difficult step for any businessman to say, hey, I'm gonna take this coffee, even the guy has been in business for six months, I'm gonna trust him knowing that I have no idea who he is or what the brand is, but I'm still gonna put my whole restaurant in his hand on the coffee side. So I get that. So let's break that down for a second because I think that's very important right now for someone listening is, okay, how do I choose whether or not I want to create a brand or I want to create a business? And how did you come to that decision? Yeah. I mean, I, I did the business first, you know, I had a bar nightclub in Philadelphia for three years, so I've done that. Mm -hmm. um, and the business, the, the brand side is, I think is a longer, um, it's a longer investment, it's a longer term um, yeah, the company. Ramp up. Exactly, yeah. you know. Uh, it takes longer to make it happen, but also I think we'll stay longer in the in the whole um, in the whole um, mind people's mind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it has more longevity. Yeah, the longevity yeah. is, is more longer. Yes, it's it's a it's a bigger it's a bigger um, task. I think not that it's more work. It's just a different kind of work. And um, the key in building that brand is the trust with people. In a restaurant, you kind of get that trust too because you have to have your customers trusting you. But it's not the same than actually trusting the whole brand itself, if I so, can say. Yeah, yeah. So I'm getting what you're saying, right? So you're saying, hey, I, I'm here in uh, St. Pete. I'm creating a brand. It's all about people trusting me. So first off, how many years were you established in this, this city, St. Pete, um, before you started to establish this brand? In other words, what I'm getting to mm -hmm. is how well known were you, your reputation, did people trust you, or were you coming into a market where you were unknown? I came in a market that was unknown. We moved in St. Pete in 2005, and we started Kawa Coffee in January 06. So, wow. 
Yeah, the, so, the, the one advantage we had is my wife was raised in St. Pete. Okay, so she so had local connection. She had local connection. My father-in-law was well-known in the community um, being a builder. He built a lot of things in St. Pete. So I used, the, it's funny because we have a story now with, with them where I came in St. Pete, I was his son-in-law. Mm. And I used that a lot to try to get appointments, try to get meetings, and try to grow the business, to be honest with you. He was very well respected. So you, so you leveraged his reputation of course, and of course. his trust. Yes. And yeah. now, you know, 10 years later, he's my father-in-law. So it's kind of, you know, the, the, the two roles kind of reversed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's a funny thing. We joke, you know, at the table when we have dinner. It's like, you know, remember, I used to be my son-in-law and now yeah. I'm your father-in-law. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's a fun, you know. Fun thing, but it's not its not easy to get into a market that nobody knows what you're doing or nobody knows who you are or where you come from or, you know, especially when you had a couple of coffee companies here for many, many years, like the Geoffrey's and, uh, and the Barney's, and that's what we had at the time. And it was, you know, something that was very local, yeah. um, but it was something, you know, I think fun to do, challenging. Yeah. And you know, you're just gonna have. Let me let me ask you this. Um, you mentioned there was uh, some of those bigger established brands mm-hmm. here uh, in Tampa when you came. Did you like pick like 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 a David and Goliath, right? Did you pick like the the big behemoth uh, company that you were like, that's my competitor. I'm gonna take market share from them and like created it almost into a game. And, and yeah. I only asked that because I did that with Regis, right? Yeah. Like Regis is my competitor. Yeah. I'm taking market share from them because they mistreat yeah. people and I feel totally justified in treating people right and taking some of their, mm-hmm. their customers. So who did you pick back then? What I picked was Joffrey's at the time. Joffrey's? Yes. Okay. Because they were kind of the coffee company around. The only thing that you... At the time you had, you know, the Wild Cups and the Starbucks and the big companies like that. And then one real local company was Joffrey's based mm-hmm. in Tampa. And, and I told him, I'm like, you know, I'm going to come after your market. So you told him right out? Like, oh, yeah. Like the owners? Yeah. Why would you do that? Why? Yeah. Just because Just I to like put it. the fear of God in Yeah, it? I like it. I think it's, you know, it's, it's part of... <laughs> it's part of the game. Yeah, it's part of the game. I think, you know, like, like people now tell us, hey, you know, we're coming after you. And I think it's good. I think it's fun. I think it makes, you know... Like, how think, fast can you run? Yeah. I mean, no, I, mean I, I think, I think it, makes, it makes the competition, makes the market... You know, fun. Yeah, I the think customers win. I think it's good for the customer. Yeah. So um, I think when you announce it, it's pretentious, but I think it makes it fun too. And I, it challenges. I like to do that because it challenges me yeah. to the point where I said something. Now I gotta live up to it. You gotta back up your exactly. Word, right? You know, it's, like it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want to look like an idiot. So right. you know, and so that's what we did, and we went after the market, and I think you know we did pretty well as far as going after them. Um, I know that they changed their their. Um, their business model, if you want, the last five, ten years, where you know they focus on different things than where we've been, and I know they're coming back to the wholesale. They're trying to, but it's you know, it's it's just a different game now. So yeah, it's gonna be tough for them to catch up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, that's kind of cool. All right, so describe to us the biggest fail that you had before making your first 100k. So we're talking like year one. Oh, the, the biggest, biggest fail. The biggest fail. Yeah. I was just trying to get customers every day you know it was you know I when you start the business like we did is you know it was my wife and I and like you know her and I trying to build something and you knock at doors every single day restaurant right and left and left and right and people don't even want to talk to you so how do you stay motivated in that you just have to believe what you're doing is right you just have to believe that the product that you have is right you just have to believe that you can do better than what it is now and just keep on going 
Did um, you have a big enough why? You know how people talk about that, right? As an entrepreneur, you got to have a big enough why that keeps you going, keeps you motivated. I don't, I don't think I needed that, to be honest with you. I always believed in what we were doing. Like, you know, I told, when we opened the, the, the company in 06, right, with February 06, we called all the press and everybody would come around and like, hey, come see us. We open a new coffee company. Yeah, big launch party. Yes, nobody came, right? Except. <laughs> How did that feel? <laughs> That's so bad. That's hard. That was yeah. That wasn't that wasn't fun. But so one guy came, uh, Jeff Hook, who at the time was the reporter for the food, uh, the food reporter for the Tampa uh, Tampa Tribune. Okay. Right. So he's the only guy who showed up. The guy shows up in the warehouse that we had. We have like you know ten coffee bags, the big cup bar laps, with a couple of plants, one table in there. And he's walking around, and I show him what we're doing, and this. He tries the coffee. He's like, yeah, it's pretty good. And then I sit down and we're sitting down and he's like looking at me, he's like, Raphael, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm building the biggest coffee company in Tampa Bay. And he's looking at me, he's like, okay. (laughs) What's in your coffee? What do you want? (laughs) Okay. It's like, it's nice of you to believe that. Now, the funny part is every time I see Jeff around, he's like, do you remember that day that we sat down in your office and you told me you're going to build the biggest coffee company? You're like, I said, yeah, I told you that, right? So, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, uh, it's the key of being able to keep on going is to believe really hard in what you're doing. If you don't believe in what you're doing, then you shouldn't do it, period. So I get that, right? And that sounds really good and warm and fuzzy and mm-hmm. everything like that. How did you know with such certainty that you were going to build the largest company, coffee company in Tampa Bay? Seriously, because, because you be- can't predict the future. You don't no. know what's going to happen in the market, right? You don't know uh-huh. if, how your life's going to show up, True. tragedies, anything like that. Of course. So with certainty, how did you get to certainty? Because that's where, that's what they're missing right now. But for, they're listening right now and they're missing certainty. First thing is I had the experience in the coffee business. It's not like I woke up one morning and say, oh, let me roast in my garage and I'm going to create a company. You know, I had the whole coffee shop experience. I was a barista. I was a manager for a coffee shop. So you knew what you were getting into. Yes. I, I, I did the wholesale side of the business. I worked for a coffee company for many years. I knew exactly what it was. I knew what people wanted. I knew that I could, when I looked at the market and I saw what was going on, I knew that what I could bring on the table would make a big change in the coffee industry in Tampa Bay. I knew that. So let me just jump in there, right? So what I'm hearing you say is you didn't just jump into an industry uh, that you did not know with a product you had never worked with before, right? Mm -hmm. You were seasoned in this. You had worked for others. You saw where there was uh, holes or missing things that you could add value to. And you knew with certainty, okay, I already know the model. I know what's currently working. I know what could work better. Yep. And I'm about to jump into this with certainty because I have a really good holistic view of what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? That's correct. Plus, I, I knew that the timing was right. You know, when the company I worked for before came into a market, which was the Philadelphia market, at the right timing. And I always said, you know, I worked for them for five years four or five years. That was my only job I ever had. But uh, I saw and I talked to the, the owners a lot because the company was small enough at the time. Now it's a multi-million dollar company. But it was small enough at the time that we, I spoke a lot with the owners. And one thing they always told me is like, you know, the timing for us was right. You can do a lot of things right, you can do, but the timing, if you have it right, it's pretty much game changer. So how did you know the timing was right back then? I looked around. I mean, it was nothing. Like what was like the I indicator? Said, the like indicator that. was all the chain. The chain started to go. Like, you know, I, I used to come in St. Pete every twi- twice a year. 
it's when we started dating my wife since uh, 99, right? And we moved in 2005. So it took me six years to come every winter to St. Pete and look at the change. And you could see that change in the whole Tampa Bay area with chains starting to go away a little bit. First restaurant, locally owned coming out, things like that. And I saw that change and, and, and I thought that, you know, the timing was right for the whole area. I think people didn't believe in the, in the Tampa Bay area itself, mm -hmm. didn't think the growth was potentially there. Mm -hmm. But when you look at what we have around, what's going on, what's the whole between the beaches, between the, the, the fun around. You said beaches, not bitches. Yes, right? sorry, bitches. It's my <laughs> French thing. <laughs> Had to clarify. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll always do that. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, when, when, you, when you look what we have around here, the potential growth was, was right there. It just needed some people to start moving down from the Northeast, and that's what happened. You know, the last 10 years, a lot of people from the Northeast moved down to the Tampa Bay area, and it started to create a real market right here. So you're sitting here listening right now to this podcast and, and you're hearing what Raphael's saying and what, what's showing up for you right now? What's showing up for me is that Raphael's saying, hey, I came into a new market that I had never played in, that playground, but I would show up on a regular basis and kind of observe and see what's going on in that marketplace and really pay attention to the gaps and uh, really pay attention to the movements within that marketplace and then see where my product or my service could fit and then understand when the right time was to do that. So you're sitting here listening to this podcast and you have a product, you have a service and I challenge you right now is look at your marketplace, look at your industry, where are the gaps, what's the movement happening within it is the timing right for your product or service? Mm -hmm. Is it better to hold right now or is it better to, to really lean into it and, and really get, get uh, real with that, I think, is, is very important. Yeah. So I get what, what you're saying, Raphael, yeah. and I had to do the same thing with the co-working spaces. And mm -hmm. if anything, I would say I messed up. You know, My biggest fail uh, would be my timing was uh, ahead of its time uh, by mm -hmm. probably three or four years. And that's why we had so much resistance in the beginning, just educating the market, educating the market. What is co-working? I don't get it. What? What do you mean people work next to each other? What? Mm -hmm. um, and that was really difficult. And we literally just had to survive yeah. every day, just survive for the first two years. And, and we were able to do that. And then the market started to get educated from the outside in, mm -hmm. the local market, I mean. And there was national attention for co-working, et cetera, et cetera. And then, boom, people started to go, oh, now I get what you've been yeah, saying. Now I understand. And we were the yep. first to market, so there was that natural attrition uh, or attraction to us. But it was the same thing for us when, you know, why serve a good coffee at the end where you can just serve the same crap you've been serving for 20 years? You know, it was an education process as well for us, an education to the owners, an education to the staff. Why would you make a heart-shaped cappuccino at the end of the dinner instead of just serving a fluffy, disgusting thing? Nobody really understood why. What's the point? It's just coffee. Now, people understood with the market, national attention the same way. The market changed. Everything changed around that, oh, good coffee has a reason behind it. Oh, actually, it's a product that we should actually enjoy and not just drink it because it's coffee. So it's a, it's a coffee experience, it's, it's a, not became, just a coffee. It became a whole experience. It yeah. became a novelty. It became art. It became everything that you want to call it now that is that, you know, 10, 11 years ago in Tampa Bay, I had no idea what coffee really was. 
You know, you were serving something black that you put sugar and cream in it and drink it. Right. It was a commodity. It was, it was yeah. Like, it was just me through the day. Yeah, it gets it. me through the day. One thing though that, you know, we did different than a lot of companies in, in the U.S., people thought that Florida was the left-alone market for coffee. Reason, the heat. It's hot, 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 hot. It's hot, people think you don't drink coffee. Right. Who Wrong. wants a hot coffee with uh, the hot sun shining? Wrong. The market in Florida is as big as anywhere else. You just have to catch it. But Actually, if you drink hot liquids, mm -hmm. it supposedly cools down your yes, body. Yes, look the in heat. Africa. Yeah. That's what we do. We drink hot tea all day. Right. So, and that's, that's where the name Kawa comes yeah. from. Kawa right? comes from Africa. Exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah it comes from I Africa. actually need it. Ethiopia. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's the original name for coffee. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Right, right. I just wanted you to drop that in, right? Yeah, see how I did that. Oh, okay, cool. 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, Raphael, we all have fears. What yep. fear was holding you back from winning at that time in your business? Get real with us. What was the fear, that, that little voice the, in the back the, of your the head? The fear is always the same. You know, like, we moved here, we bought a house, we had a kid, and we started a business. So, you put everything into one basket, and that's the biggest fear, is that you can lose anything you have, or everything you have. You have, it's... You know, when you're 20 years old, you don't have a wife, you don't have a kid, and you know, you can do anything you want in the world, you know, and I did that. Mm -hmm. But then when you start something else, and then you have a kid, and then you have a house, and you have a wife, and you have a life, that's the fear that you have. Am I going to make it? It's bigger than you now. It's huge, yeah. I mean, it's not just you, okay, tomorrow I start again. No, you got to start again with everything that goes with it. And it's, it's that for me was the biggest fear was to lose everything and and... And, you know, I, I start again. But on the other side, I never really worried about it every day because otherwise I would have stopped what I was doing. It so wasn't worth So you didn't give it energy? No, I didn't because it's, it's, it's a normal feeling to have. What was the it's, actual, if you could articulate it, right? Because we all have that little voice in the back of our head that mm -hmm. says, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. You're never going to make it, etc. What was specifically... The, how was that fear being articulated to you that you were ignoring? Like, what was that sentence? What was that statement that your mind kept bringing? I don't I didn't have it. To be honest with you, I just kept on going. I just didn't pay attention to... It, it's, it's... What was the actual fear, though? I'm not going to let you off the hook here. Like, literally go there for a second, right? What no, it's the, it's the fear. Are you going to make it or are you not? It's as simple as that. But... You can't, I mean, I never, I'm someone that gets up in the morning and just goes for it. And sometimes I don't even listen to negatives or to positive, whatever you want to call it, I just go for it. You just it. don't listen. No, I don't. <laughs> I, it drives my wife crazy, but I don't. I just do it. You. Yeah. I just do it and I go for it. And, and I think that it's one of the qualities that I have and one of the, uh, the, the default also yeah, that, like I, that I have. That exactly. It's a weakness yeah. at the same time because I just go for it. And I got my wife saying, hey, 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 calm down. Calm down. Let's not... Let's see, let's look at it. Let's, I'm like, no, let's just go. And that's what I did with the company. It's like, you know, the fear, everybody has fear about everything. But business-wise, I didn't really care about the fear or not. You know, I just believe that if you don't go for it, you'll never get it. So you better live with trying something than always regret never try it. Yeah. So you were married at the time when you launched the business. Is yep. that correct? Yes. Okay. And I'm still so, married, so it's good. Yeah. Working you together. made it through. Working you together. have a successful business and a successful marriage simultaneously. You built two empires. I guess, right? Right? Yeah. No, not <laughs> I guess. I know Sarah. You guys are awesome together, okay? So uh, let me ask you this, right? How did that show up for you, right? Because you, you mentioned uh, mm -hmm. the, the uh, risk 
love having a wife, kids, all yep. that other stuff. Not just you were gonna could fail, but you could lose it all, right? Yeah. Um, how did that show up for you as a married man, uh, having a woman that either supported you mm-hmm. or, and and I'm not gonna say anything negative here about Sarah, but you know for. A listener listening right now, they're married, right? And maybe their spouse is like, yeah. you can't do this. You can't put us at risk. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, what, what are you thinking? Don't you love me? Like, what if this fails? Mm-hmm. What about that? What kind of chatter was going on um, back then for you guys? But the, the different things that we, that we had, I think, is she was with me doing the business. So she had to believe in it, too. Got we it. were in there together. It's not like she was having another job and making, you know, 80 grand right there and I'm making yeah. nothing and she keeps on telling me you're not going to make it. Got it. So that was one good thing that we had. The tough part of what we did also was that when it works, it's like everything else. When it works, everything is beautiful. When it doesn't work and you don't make money, then it's tension on all day long. Not just at work, at home. We used to mm-hmm. argue all the time with the kid, without the kid, with this. With that. It's, it's an argument, constant argument because the money factor is not there. And no matter what you want to say, and I agree, you can be happy without money, mm-hmm. but it's tough to be really happy without anything. Mm-hmm. As much as you want to say it, it helps. Um, so we had we had that that argument. One one thing that I keep on saying is like, trust me, it's gonna work, because she's, I would say, realistic, and I'm not. Mm. I'm more a dreamer, idealist. Yeah, and and you know, I I'm, get that. I'm, I'm just you know, I'm dreaming. All day, oh, we'll do this, and we'll do this, and we'll do that. And we'll... It's like, why can't I? Yeah, no, I can't. Nobody's done it before, so I'll, that's I keep, why I should. I keep on doing it. I don't care. But, you know, and that's where I think we leverage very well, the two of us, where when it was tough at the beginning, I was there to say, come on, don't worry about it. It's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. Now that we, it's working, she's the one telling me, hold on. It's working. Let's now let's do it right. Let's 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 slow down a minute. Let's do this. Let's do that. So how does that land with you? The let's slow down. Let's do it right. I hate it, but she's right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's one thing to hate it. It's another thing to resist it. No, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, are you resisting it or are you going with it? No, no, I, no, I go with it because, because I think she's right. Because again, you know, we, we don't work the same way that we did before the 100k and you know it's a different world now you're in survival mode back then yes right? now now you know survival mode you you believe you believe you push you push now it's a different story where you know we i'm not going to say we made it but you know we 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 in good shape and and it's easier to say yeah you're right actually let's slow down and let's look at this and let's look at that but um do i like it no because i love you know keep on going that's my thing but i also understand it and i agree with what we're doing Love it. So now I'd like you to describe the aha moment that inspired your biggest win back then and pushed you over the first $100,000 mark. Mm-hmm. What was that first aha moment that just pushed you over? The first, so when we started the company, right, we had, we had maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 customers at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I get a phone call from someone that I work with in Washington, D.C which was what was a distributor, coffee distributor for the old company I used to work for. The guy calls me up, he's like, listen, uh, that company is cutting me off. They don't want me to sell their coffee anymore. They want to go direct. I have about 80 accounts, 100 accounts in Washington, D.C. Do you want it? I said, sure. The answer is always yes when you're making I mean, your first 100K. 
Exactly, you know. Then so you it took it took you know a line of credit from a bank to get the equipment to be able to take the whole the whole market up there if you want, and that was our big. Without knowing my the ex company I worked for gave me the break that I needed to actually make it. Wow! And that was for us the big haha moment of like you know that's it we're making it now. So what I'm hearing you say is that uh, an existing relationship mm-hmm. that you uh, kept uh, working yeah. um, actually created that first yes. push over the $100,000 mark. Yeah. So you're listening yeah. right now to this podcast. What are those relationships in your life right now that sometimes you're like, ah, you know, why do I even care about that person? They've never done anything for me, right? Because that happens to all of us. It's like, of course. you know, oh, they're asking me to go to coffee. Ah, I don't really want to get go to coffee. You know, I'm just... Uh, I'm busy. I, I'm hustling. I'm, I'm making yes. my first hundred k. It's like, yes. why do I need to spend time with these people who are not giving me something now? I asked them for help now, and they said they can't or or no. I why f- should I uh, nurture that relationship? I think that you can't expect things from people. You know, I believe that in life there's a reason for a lot of things. There's a reason for everything. But you can't just plan yourself, okay, I'm going to meet with them because I need this. I'm going to meet with that one because I need that. You can't do that. If you do this, then you're going to shoot yourself in the foot because it's not going to happen. So you can't just take, take, take. No, it's, it's, I, I believe in life it's about giving. And you know, if you can, give. If you cannot, try, you try to do whatever you can to, to give anyway. But at the end of the day, if you give, 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 it's going to come back. You know, karma in life, it's very simple. You being good, it's going to come back twice as good. So we hear that all the time, right? And I'm going to sit with that just for a second because I know personally I've struggled with that for years. People like, Joseph, it's going to work out. Just keep keep doing the right thing. Look at it. Right? Keep doing the right thing. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, yeah, well, it's not working now. And and I got bills, right? And and Mm -hmm. I got all these things coming up at the end of this month and karma is not paying them, right? (laughs) So F you karma. Mm -hmm. Like... Yeah, I'm a caring guy, I have a big heart, but at the same time, if I'm caring for others, caring for others, caring for others, it's tough to sit with, why aren't they caring back? Why aren't they opening doors back? It's like, when I was starting this company, I have so many friends, and I'm not like, you know, stroking my ego here, I'm just saying what it is. I had so many friends that were doing tens of millions, hundreds of millions, one of my friends is a billionaire, and they did not open any doors for me. Mm -hmm. And that was so difficult to just stay humble about it. And I'm not saying I did that well. You know, my ego showed up many times. Why not, you know, expect that? Why not say, hey, I, I helped you and you're like doing hundreds of millions. Why would you not open a connection or a door for me? Because I think, I mean, you gotta look at it on your side now. Would you do that for those people? Would you, op- would you help them out tomorrow? I would. Case by case, yeah. Would you? I would if they were willing to help themselves, right? Exactly. Yeah. So maybe those people were not the right people at the time to help you. Maybe those people thought that you needed to learn by yourself also. You know, there's, there's the, the karma thing doesn't work just, oh, I did this and I'm expecting that tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. not the way it works. You know that. It's just you got to keep, I believe you got to keep on doing what you can to help others, but you can't expect karma. It's not something that's coming so out. So we're human, right? Yeah. And, and, and. I, I get what you're saying. At the same time, in the back of my head, there is selfish agenda. Mm-hmm. There just is. And you can't tell me you don't have it. And, and you know, you're listening right now. And don't tell me you don't have it. We all have a what's in it for me mm-hmm. voice in the back yeah, of our of head. Course. Right? So how do you shut that down? You don't shut it down. You just make it happen for yourself. 
you want this for yourself, just make it happen. Don't ask Karma or anybody else to help you. It's up to you to make what you want. It's, it's you really want it, go for it. It's, you know, we live in a country now that's the only country in the world you can do anything you want. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Anything you want. I come from France. Trust me, it's a beautiful country, mm. beautiful food, beautiful wine, anything you want, but there's half of what you can do here that you can do over there. It's, it's just, anybody can do anything in this country. You want it, just give, get it. That's all, simple as that. And you can't expect the karma or your friends or anywhere around to like just bring you higher or help you out. So the way you're describing it, Raphael, is very like idealistic, right? I think I went true. totally the different approach <laughs> where I was just disgruntled and kind of annoyed at, at like some of my friends, but I kept it to myself, right? Mm -hmm. I, did, I didn't tell them that. I just kept the relationships going, but deep down I felt bitter. Like, yeah. why didn't they help? Why aren't they helping? And then eventually I just got to the point yeah. um, in a roundabout way, I guess, of what you're describing, where I was just at the point, well, shit, no one's going to help me. So I guess we're going to figure this out ourselves and make it happen and build a business or get the heck out of the business. And that's and how you settle for mediocrity yes. with something else. And that, that was so like appalling to me, the thought of like going back to a nine to five that I was like, fine, we're, we're just going to do it. And I was like, you know, complaining the whole way. Mm -hmm. Um, but somehow even with the complaining, mm -hmm. just putting my big boy boots on and just sucking it up, stop complaining and just do it. Go take consistent actions in the direction of the vision. Uh, it works. Yeah, it, it, does. It, it does work. So I it think your approach is better because <laughs> you actually weren't I mean, bitter about it like I was. You know, the, the thing is I moved from France. I was 21. I got lucky enough. My parents, you know, sent me to school for one year here. I graduated from here. But at the end of the day, I started in the coffee shop. My parents, you know, when I told my dad after how much money they pay for my education, knowing that education is free in France. I still managed to get private school. And when I told him, <laughs> Overachiever. My, when I told him my first job was going to be barista in a coffee shop, my dad cut me off. That was it. I never got a dime ever again. And so, I think so. That was not part of his dream for you. No, that wasn't. No, not really. No. <laughs> and you know, it's you know, I think it's the best thing that have happened to me. It's like you know, okay, here you go, you're done. And I just, I said, sure, fine, I get it. So you, what I'm hearing you say is you went from comfortable to yeah. uncomfortable really quick. Real fast. And Real fast. Yeah. My whole life has been <laughs> uncomfortable, right? And I, I think, you know, discomfort is one of the biggest motivators, right? Pain motivates us more than pleasure. I agree. Pain motiv uh, pleasure motivates us, but pain, man, <laughs> when you know the lights are going off, you know, uh, or you're going to die, right? Mm -hmm. You're gonna move. You it's just choice. survival. Yeah, it's survival mode. That's simple as that. And and let's be honest. For your first hundred k, your first year in business, it's all about survival. That's what it is. Just survive. That's what it is. One you're year trying. eventually will catch on. You're trying. You're trying. <laughs> and you're trying. And you keep on trying. Just don't die. No, don't die. <laughs> that's, that's the idea, right? <laughs> okay. Looking back to your first one hundred k, Raphael. In your opinion, what was the number one thing that got you over that hurdle? I think it's it's uh, it's starting understanding business itself. Um, again, you 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 work so hard, you you struggle, you do you like you're saying, you fight all day long. Um, it's very difficult for you to look at a business side of the whole company. Um, once once you understand that you're gonna be okay, and now you can actually look at the business side of it. Mm then that's where you go to the next level. 
Yeah. That's where that's where you start saying, okay, now I actually have some sales, and now I got to actually run a company. So it's it's I think for us was uh, you know the the big step was when we started making it with a distributor and started bringing real income into the company, then we actually look at it as a real business. You know between anything you want the management, the accounting, everything that you want to talk about that you know. When you don't make 100k, you can't even look at the numbers because there's no numbers. You can't even look at anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, I do. You wish you could be in front of your computer in your office and right. look at it. There's yeah. nothing to look at. Right. You're fighting to get the dollar. Yes. Like you're not even thinking about how you're going to spend the dollar. No, you don't even care where it's going because right. there's nothing going. Yeah. But when you're starting looking at your business as a real business, then you actually make progress in where you're going, where you're going to go, what we're doing next year, what we're doing next six months, what's, you know, that's you starting to put plans together because it's not a struggle or, uh, anymore as much is starting to be something that makes sense, which is a company. Yeah, I get that. So you're listening right now and, and you're thinking, man, I'm struggling to get that dollar. Every day I get up and I struggle and I struggle. Some days I'm, I'm high on life and I'm positive and I'm hustling. Other days, man, I feel like crap. I don't want to get up. I don't yep. want to do it. And what Raphael and I are saying uh, right now is literally uh, just survive, right? And, and it's normal what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Those feelings are normal. They're so common. It's ridiculous. And sometimes, at least for me, uh, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges was thinking I was alone in my struggles, yep. that I was the only one going through that. And oh. there was something wrong with the situation or something wrong with me. And, and really, that's why I'm starting this podcast is so that you listening don't feel alone. It's like Raphael went through the same exact mm -hmm. struggles that you're sitting in right now. He's yeah. just a few exits past you on the highway. Mm -hmm. That's literally it. I think, I think that if you don't struggle, actually, it's not good. Um, you know, someone, Sarah's uncle always told me, to make it, you have to fail once. That's how you really make it. Um, I wouldn't say I have to fail once, but I think the struggle, which is close to a failure for, for a lot of time, a lot of times, it's, you know, it's what makes you at the end. It's, you know, you need to struggle really and understand what it takes to make it, to actually appreciate once you're actually making it. I get that. So that's good advice. And it, it segues right into my next question. And maybe that was the answer. What was the best advice you received pre-100K? It's it's to try try and try and try again um, you know my one of the one of the things that you know my father in always told me it's like you know no matter what happened be good to people no matter what happened mm -hmm. and it's not easy and you don't want to and so even if they stab you it doesn't matter doesn't matter always be, be good kind. to people always be kind yeah. you know and, and I always you know for me it was very difficult because I'm someone that's uh, impulsive mm -hmm. um, and, and I usually say what I think which could be good, could be bad. It's sometimes, like I'm looking in the mirror right now, Raphael. Stop. Sometimes very bad, but I learned, you know, in the beginning, I learned how to say, okay, swallow your pride and just, you know, don't answer, don't reply, breathe a little bit. And in my head, I was like, I'll see you later. I'm sure. And I did see them you again. You and I will meet again and it will be a dark alley, my oh, yeah. friend. And you know what we did? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But um, it's you know one of the best advice I ever got, which was you know just be kind, don't yeah. don't worry about it. Be kind, be humble, yes. man. Like so many of these little wisdom bombs you're dropping right now, I totally failed at. Like right. I spoke, oh, yeah. I put my foot in my mouth, man. I walked out on you know executive meetings with investors and pretty much told them to go screw themselves. Yeah. Like not good stuff. So 
you're listening right now, listen to Raphael, don't listen to me. Okay, so <laughs> um, share one of your daily habits back then, Raphael, that helped you get to where you are today. A daily habit. Having a coffee every morning in my office. Say that again. Having, having a coffee every morning in my office. One of your coffees, I'm guessing? The reason why it helped because the coffee is good. And every morning I started with a coffee and reminded myself that actually I was doing something right. So what I'm hearing you say is every morning you started uh, with a taste of your own product. Yes. And it, it just literally fueled, not just the caffeine didn't just fuel your day, but it fueled your belief in your own yes, product. Exactly. When, when I kept on drinking that coffee every morning, I was like, that's a good product. Cool. So it's going to work. Cool. Uh, what's your favorite website, app, or digital resource uh, back then? Uh, if the, nothing shows up, maybe now, and why? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a big digital guy, to be honest with you. I'm, okay. um, I like. I do the Facebook and the, you know, and the, the what do you call it, the Instagram and all those things. But um, I don't. I don't know. I don't. If you were starting over right now, like, what would you be using to kind of build your brand? I think Facebook was a great tool for a lot of people. Uh, it's getting over now, but I think you know it's it's been. I think it's been a game changer for a lot of businesses, especially in retail, and especially in the restaurant business, especially in uh, you know it allows it allowed you to communicate with your customers face to face, instantly. So um, I think the Facebook is the biggest app I would say that changed businesses. Um, can we do without Facebook? Yeah, I do believe we can, but it's going to be very difficult. To change that okay cool all right so uh, we're headed right into the hustle round uh, this is where Raphael I'm going uh -huh. to ask you 12 quick fire questions Jeez. and you'll have a three seconds to answer each oh are you ready sure okay here we go first thing that comes to you yes what's your favorite sound um, screaming what's your least favorite sound screaming when you were a child what did you want to be when you grew up a lawyer what are you most afraid of Nothing. If you were afraid of something, what are you most most afraid of? What would it be? Um, spiders. <laughs> what did you spend too much time doing your first year in business? Uh, thinking how I can make it better. What secret fear do you have that about people? Um, being fake. Hmm. What do you wish you had learned sooner in business? How to delegate. What is a new habit that you want to form now? Playing golf. Mm -hmm. What is a bad habit that you want to break? Um, uh, not being relaxed enough. I get that. Pick three words to describe who you are right now. Oh, um, outgoing. Um, uh, good looking. <laughs> I was going to say something. <laughs> and uh, determined. Okay, determined. Mm -hmm. Pick three words to describe who you were back then. Year um, one. I would say outgoing, good looking, determined. Okay. Imagine sometime in the distant future and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Um, to a great father, a great husband. Um and someone that enjoy life. Awesome. 
And if you could come back to life and tell your friends and family only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Just live, live life every day. Enjoy it. Got it. Raphael, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? You can uh, call my cell or you can just send me an email at uh, kawakafi.com. My email is there, rperi at kawakafi.com. Excellent. And we're not going to share your cell on this. No. Okay, cool. So, Raphael, (laughs) (laughs) you'll get some uh, interesting texts from the competitors. Right. (laughs) Uh, Raphael, thanks for joining us today, and I wish you uh, peace, love, and superpowers. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, so uh, head over to First 100K for even more tools, tactics, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you on the next show. Cheers.